Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. Thank you, musicians. We're having a wonderful, wonderful conference. God is powerful at work, and uh, I'm so appreciative of the Lord helping us with the weather. Uh, we had a bitter week last week, and uh, the Lord helped us clear out uh, the weather. I, our travel agent always calls me and says, uh, uh, you folks uh, must be praying. It's beautiful weather again. Conference <laughs> I want to say also tonight, in addition to all those that we have expressed appreciation for, uh, our appreciation for Greg and Lisa Mitchell for the tremendous job that they're doing. They put together the mailing list uh, corrections and they put together the conference uh, uh, rooms and the coordination of that, a, a tremendous burden, a great job, and we uh, really do appreciate uh, Greg and Lisa for uh, doing that. Also in the conference and behind the scenes, uh, helping um, uh, uh, navigate all the details that have to be dealt with to make the conference a success. And so I appreciate that. Let's give Greg and Lisa a real good hand tonight. Thank God. The book of Acts, chapter 20, if you'll turn there with me this evening, I uh, want to minister uh, beginning with verse 22. Uh, it would be a wonderful thing if the moment that we uh, began to work for God or do a work for God or believe that uh, everything works smoothly. Uh, we simply got on the page with God. We uh, submitted ourselves to uh, uh, the kingdom, and uh, things would uh, go smoothly. Workers would always do what they needed to do. We would always know exactly uh, what to do. I appreciated Jonathan's testimony here, uh, because that's actually the testimony of this fellowship. When he said, I don't have the slightest clue what I'm doing. Well, I'm going to tell you, this is the testimony of this, con this, uh, uh, this fellowship. Uh, because when God uh, worked with us, it took me five years to figure out what he was doing to be able to put a framework to it. To, uh, and I really appreciate and enjoyed that, uh, hearing that testimony. But life does not go smoothly. In this text that we're going to uh, consider tonight, the Apostle Paul is going through a long litany of the difficulties that he's had. 
He has uh, met together at uh, Miletus, which is 30 miles below Ephesus. He sails from Assos, uh, bypasses Ephesus, uh, lands at Miletus, and sends for the pastors at Ephesus. They come down, and uh, he begins to go through the difficulties and uh, trying to clarify for them. And what he's doing is he's laying the groundwork for them to understand and to be able to survive in ministry. How many of you know that many start, but few finish? It's one thing to start, but it's another thing to finish the course. Paul finished the course, he said in Second Timothy 4, verse 8. And so... Uh, a great deal of life is being able to process properly the events of life. It doesn't so much matter what it is that happens in life. It's being able to properly process that in your mentality with God's perspective so that you'll come to the conclusions that God has come to and be able to see where you fit in the overall plan, and the purposes of God. God has a purpose. Can you say amen? You and I are a part of the purpose of God, and the reason that we're here, and the reason we're hearing these testimonies of just common people like you who have uh, obeyed the Lord, and they're giving testimonies in this conference now from many nations they did in this conference, uh, and even uh, a national pastor. The reason is because... Uh, they are a part of the purpose of God, and being a part of the purpose of God, in spite of the problems, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of what life brings, they've been able to properly process this and keep their eyes focused upon what God is doing. I'm going to read to you Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 22, and I'm reading to you out of the Berkeley translation of the Bible. If you follow with me, there's a reason I'm doing this. Verse 22. And now you notice I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And what is going to happen to me, I do not know, except that the Holy Spirit in one city after another testifies to me that bonds and afflictions await me. Verse 24, Berkeley Bible. However... I am not concerned about anything, neither is my life dear to myself, except to finish my course and the ministry which uh, I accepted from the Lord Jesus to bear witness uh, to the gospel of the grace of God. And now observe, I know that you all, among whom I have gone in and out as herald of the kingdom, shall see my face no more. For this reason, I bear you witness today that I'm guiltless of the blood of all. For I've not uh, fallen short at all of preaching to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for the entire flock uh, over which the Holy Spirit has uh, appointed you overseers. Shepherd the church of God, which he's bought with his own blood. For I know that after I've left, uh, savage wolves will make their way to you. They have no mercy on the flock, and from your own number two, persons shall come to the fore 
who teach distorted things to draw away the disciples after them. Keep, therefore, um, on the lookout, and remember how for three years I never quit night and day to give each of you warning uh, with my tears. And now, brothers, uh, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, uh, who is able to build you up and to grant you the inheritance uh, among all those uh, made uh, holy. Now think with me about verse 24. Verse 24 begins with this word, however. In your King James, it will be translated, uh, but. These two words uh, uh, have uh, uh, inferences which mean the same thing. And actually, what he's saying is in spite of. And then he goes on with his instructions. uh, However, in spite of. I want to preach to you about however tonight from this passage of Scripture. First of all, you need to realize and uh, properly process the fact of human frailty. Sin's weakening has laid hold of the human uh, personality and has weakened humanity horribly uh, and has brought about this fallen nature and unfortunately this fallen nature too often uh, 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 prevails and too often uh, triumphs and even believers uh, are in this arena where the fallen nature uh, sometimes prevail uh, Paul said, the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit lusts against the flesh. Romans 7, verse 20, uh, he, uh, in a 26th translation, he says, but if I do that, I would not. And then he goes on to say, but sin has its home in me. Now, this is the powerful apostle Paul. This is a man who evangelized vast regions uh, of humanity mostly by foot, walking up through uh, Antioch, uh, sailing over the Mediterranean, uh, walking across barren desert, through forest, through cold. uh, And yet this man, who is a powerful testimony, the most powerful world evangelist that ever lived, uh, then makes this statement, uh, but sin which has its home uh, in me. This is the uh, uh, untransfigured believer in Jesus Christ. Humanity is totally corrupt. Romans 1.18 uh, goes on to say, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. Another translation says, I know that I am rotten through and through, so far as my old sinful nature uh, is uh, concerned. So Paul underlines here, he begins to give instruction to the pastors and uh, And as he gives instruction to the pastors, he makes them aware that that prevailing facet of human personality, still unredeemed or still untransfigured, is going to cause problems in their ministry. And he underlines that here that you and I can consider. There's two manifestations that are going to be in the church of Jesus Christ that he notes here and we need to consider these. One of these is false teachers. He brings out very clearly that they're going to be false teachers. Uh, 
These false teachers, many of them from outside the church itself, uh, are going to exert an influence, uh, and these are not going to be unreligious people, uh, but these are people who are going to exert a spiritual influence uh, upon the church uh, of Jesus Christ, over which God has made them overseers. Acts chapter 20, verse 29. I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing uh, the flock. Do you know what the largest church in the world is? No, it's not in Korea. It's not in Houston. It's the church of Oprah. <laughs> For regularly, there is propagated from that pulpit uh, false doctrines, a false worldview, and that worldview uh, has a spiritual dimension, and it is actually propagating power without God or independent of God. Propagates and sells books and advertises them in the soulish realm. It is religion, yes it is, but it is not Christianity, and it is the lower nature that is being expressed and propagated, the paranormal and uh, this is what Paul warns against uh, because this does make incursions into the church of Jesus Christ. The second thing he warns about uh, is uh, also in this uh, text, uh, and this is ambitious leaders uh, within the church. Verse 30, look with me for a moment. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples uh, after themselves. So here we have these two things. The Apostle Paul wants to warn that a worldview that has a power independent of God uh, and is in the paranormal, uh, and this being propagated is going to make incursions, savage wool. They don't care what happens to people who embrace their doctrine. Uh, they have uh, their agenda, and they will propagate that, and it's happening today uh, in the church of Jesus Christ. Also, he warns about those who are ambitious leaders from within, who they want to take the church in a direction for their own self-interest. Acts 20, verse 30, And from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw the way the disciples after themselves. All of us have the capacity to do that. In the Bible, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, Paul says uh, that we are earthen vessels. We have this wonderful revelation from God, of God, uh, but it is in earthen vessels, uh, or in other words, uh, it is in uh, the fallen human nature. Uh, it resides, uh, and the kingdom of God is to overpower that uh, to let God shine forth uh, in his grace. Romans 13, verse 14, he says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh uh, to fulfill uh, its lusts. Now, early church history, if you read the book of Acts, you'll see much of this working out. You'll see this in uh, Paul's epistles. Uh, and uh, in Second Timothy 4, verse 10, Paul speaks sadly about a wonderful worker. Uh, he mentions him in another epistle as a valuable part uh, of ministry. His name is Demas, Second uh, uh, Timothy 4, 10. Demas uh, has forsaken us uh, having uh, and forsaken me, having loved this present uh, world. 
in the scripture he makes it very clean clear rather and we have this recorded in the book of acts john mark uh, who was a valuable worker so valuable that paul took him with him uh, with barnabas on an evangelistic tour um, that he turned back from that uh, and so here we have uh, this working out uh, in church history. You know, one of the great mysteries, I preached in my church some time ago, one of the great mysteries uh, is how God is able to continue His purpose uh, regardless of people who fail Him. Can you say amen? His purpose is higher, uh, I'm going to elaborate that in a moment, than, uh, uh, than each of us are here. One of the great dilemmas uh, of doctrine uh, is a man named Samson. I mean, this, you read this man's life. Uh, the Spirit of God began to move Samson in the camp of Dan. Uh, God powerfully moved upon his life. Uh, he uh, has supernatural dimension by the Spirit of God. Uh, he kills the lion with his bare hands. Uh, he carries off the gates uh, of the city of Gaza. He's mightily used. He can't be bound. Uh, and yet because uh, of his lore nature, his flesh ruined uh, the wonderful thing that God wanted to do, and yet God's purpose moves on. One of the great mysteries is a man named Balaam. If you read the book of Numbers, 22, 23, 24, 25, and 26, Balaam, this sorcerer, Balaam spoke prophecies with precision that some of it is still coming to pass today. Think about that for a moment. Here's God who is able to move in this man. He's trying to curse the people of God. God won't let him. And rather than curse them, God moves upon him and he speaks blessing. Can you say amen? What a, what a, what a, a puzzling dimension because here we have this fallen nature and you and I have experienced this in our fellowship to some degree, firsthand. Here's Paul. Let's think about our text for a moment. He's not, uh, he's not telling this uh, so that they could make excuses for people who fail. He's telling this to give them a heads up uh, so that they'd be able properly to process life uh, when they experience uh, some of the things uh, and uh, be able to process that and become and come up uh, and survive with a proper attitude uh, and with a proper perspective. Uh, and probably the greatest factor that a pastor and a worker has to deal with is discouragement. There's nothing on earth that discourages you like having someone you've put your trust in fail you or betray you or backslide or go off and, uh, and uh, go off on some tangent. Can you say amen? There's nothing that has the power to discourage like that. But I want to make a statement to you. Write it down somewhere. Discouragement is the failure of the will. Once you understand that, uh, discouragement is a failure of your will. It is designed to sap the drive, the motivation, the uh, thrust that God is doing through you. And uh, the, Paul is telling this uh, to give these pastors a reference point uh, and a point of reference they can properly process that uh, when it happens to them, they will be aware. Acts 20, verse 24. 
However, let me read that again from the Berkeley Bible. However, I'm not concerned about anything. Neither is my life dear to myself except to finish my course and the ministry which I've accepted from the Lord Jesus to bear witness to the gospel of the grace of God. So think about that. This word, uh, this word, however, uh, can be translated nevertheless. Uh, this but, which you find in your King James at, at, at that verse, this but also uh, has the connotation of nevertheless uh, or in spite of is uh, actually what is being said. Uh, and here we need to come to grips with this uh, uh, for a moment then, because we're talking about a sacred dimension that is violated. Think with me for a moment. I'm talking tonight about a sacred dimension. Paul is trafficking, if you will, in the sacred as he's giving these pastors instruction. And he says to them these words, I want you to shepherd the flock of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Oh, I feel the solemnity of that for a moment. Shepherd the flock of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Redeemed by blood. Not just redeemed by blood, but redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Here is heaven. Heaven is paved with gold. It's described in the book of Revelation. It, uh, it shimmers uh, uh, like, uh, uh, like uh, a molten. And here's heaven paved with that. But when it comes to redeeming human souls, many of whom are in this building tonight saved, he did not use gold for that. He used the precious blood of Jesus Christ to purchase because that was the price that had to be paid. Thank God. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now think about that for a moment. Precious blood. Here he has pastors who have the responsibility of causing the purpose of God to be furthered in the earth, and he gives them this sacred charge. When I say sacred, I'm talking about something that is a dimension that our hearts need to open to God, sacred. That means there is a spiritual dimension from God invested in this work, and he gives him this charge. And once you understand that, it's going to change everything by how you comprehend. Precious blood purchased the flock of God. As I preached, I think, one, uh, one seminar, maybe Tuesday, we said, this is my church, not your church. It's God's church. Belongs to God. My ministry, not your ministry, it's God's ministry. Think with me for a moment uh, as we begin to move through this. Third John 9, uh, we have a man. Uh, he's in the uh, church there that uh, the uh, Apostle John is writing to. And he says, I wrote to the church uh, 
But Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive it. Ooh, that sends shivers down my back. Diotrephes rose up against John, who had planted and invested and had the sacred dimension of God delivered. And Diotrephes is rising up and saying, this is my church. You're not going to come in here. I own this church. It's a sacred dimension that I trust the Holy Spirit will put chills up and down your spine tonight because there's a sacred trust and we're stewards of God's church. As I preached about that, this is basic to the word, is accountability and perspective. Now let's think about that for a moment because let's give it a surface examination. You and I sitting in this building have some long history. Those of us who have been with us from the beginning of what God has done, there's a long history. 1990, there was a group of men rose up, and this group of men decided exactly as Paul had described, that they're going to draw away disciples after themselves, 85 precious churches they ripped out of our fellowship, and I can only count three that exist today, and only God knows how many precious souls uh, that Jesus purchased. Say, well, I have my reason. It doesn't matter what your reasons are. As one rebel said, uh, yeah, I know, but I have my own opinions. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. There's only one opinion that matters. Can you say amen? <laughs> only one opinion that matters. That's God's opinion. I could go on to talk about the Philippine Islands twice. Leaders have rose up to harm the church of God. Mexico twice. Uh, leaders have risen up. Malaysia once. Uh, Australia uh, twice. Uh, and so here we have uh, this sacred dimension. Uh, and we needn't think uh, that this is something that uh, is some strange thing that has happened. Paul says to the pastor, I want to warn you that two things are going to happen. False doctrine is going to be propagated. It's going to make its way in, uh, number one. Number two, uh, there's going to be men rise up among you that are going to try to draw away disciples uh, after themselves, uh, and only God can calculate uh, the number of souls uh, that have been affected. Uh, I want to tell you that our fellowship is a miracle of God. Did you hear what I said? I said, our fellowship uh, is a miracle of God. However, Nevertheless, in spite of. Think with me for about that. Paul writes this long litany of tears and troubles uh, and threats and sorrows and testings and trial, but then he uses this tremendous word, however. Nevertheless, in spite of, uh, and the issue becomes very clear that helps us process life, uh, and that is uh, that God has a purpose uh, and he's working towards uh, that uh, purpose. So look for a moment, because we're too easily diverted, because our ego is involved in this. See, pastoring is an ego. Men are just a naked ego running through life to begin with. <laughs> Many of you ladies don't understand that. If you understood that, you'd have a happy marriage. 
but pastors, their pastorate is their ego. And what happens is that when things happen, then suddenly our egos is there. What are people going to think of me? What will be the outcome of this? Maybe I'll have to get a job. That would be a novel experience, wouldn't it? Because our ego is at stake, and we forget because we have the wrong orientation. We are we-orientated, they-orientated, and we forget that this is God. See, invariably, I see this over and over again. People begin to think like people. They forget that I'm talking about something that is sacred. We are trafficking in sacred dimensions. And over and above all that we're involved in, what happens to us, the people who betray us, the mistakes that are made, uh, over and above all of that, uh, God is at work. Uh, and the danger is uh, that we impose our perspective uh, upon God's uh, working. Uh, and as we impose our perspective, we lose balance. We begin to not process it correctly uh, because God is at work. This thing's bigger than you and I. Can you say Amen. I was reminded, I was looking over these notes this afternoon, and I was looking this over, I, I heard an illustration years ago. It's like an ant standing in the middle of a railroad track, and here comes a locomotive, and the ant says, stop, you know. <laughs> this thing is big, folks. God is powerfully at work, powerfully at work, powerfully at work. And to process life, you have to process life from God's view. Stay with me till I finish. When you begin to understand that we see from God's view, Paul says to them, boys, you're going to have troubles. <laughs> he wasn't kidding them. But he doesn't stop there. He moves on and he pointed them to God and he said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. And so what we have then is this big word, however, in spite of, nevertheless, and God's purpose is larger than you and I. Once you understand that, once you begin to grasp the sacred dimensions, uh, it'll change how you interpret life. Acts 14 and 17 uh, says, Nevertheless, he, that's God, did not leave himself without witness. He puts that in a context. Uh, or in other words, uh, what he's saying is that God is evidently at work. Regardless of what man does, God still is at work. We sleep. Can you say Amen. Thank God I'm still able to sleep a few hours at night. But while I'm sleeping, God's still at work. While I don't understand or don't have the answer or can't uh, properly comprehend, uh, God has a purpose, uh, and he's still working at that purpose, uh, regardless of whether I understand it or not, or even if I believe it or not, he's still at work. Uh, 
and false teachers come and go. I could rant on about these, Second Timothy uh, chapter 2, 18 and 19, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, here's that word again, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, uh, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, uh, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart uh, from uh, iniquity. God is at work in spite of. Once you begin to grasp that, and in simplicity of faith, lay aside your ego, which is so easily bent out of shape when things don't happen the way you think they have. I want to tell you, be a big boy, be a big girl. Things usually don't happen the way you think they ought to. God is at work. Second Timothy 2.13. We, if we are faithless, He, God remains faithful. He cannot uh, desire, uh, de- deny uh, Himself. Jesus said, I will build my church. I believe that tonight. I believe that. And to any degree that I have been able to see the productivity that uh, comes from a life, it's because uh, he is building his church, uh, and I simply have fallen in line with uh, and said, that's great, Lord, just keep it up. Just tell me what to do, and that's what I'll do. Uh, And even if I don't understand, I'm still going to stay saved. I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to go on for God. Can you say amen? Listen to Habakkuk. I preached a couple of sermons through the years on the tremendous statement. Uh, Greg and I were wrestling with a, a problem recently, and uh, uh, and I uh, quoted uh, out of this. And uh, and uh, the, the, you need to preach a sermon out of this, Pastor Habakkuk three seventeen and eighteen. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail. And the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, uh, and there be no herd uh, in the stalls. Uh, Habakkuk uh, prophesies uh, and states his faith and said, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What a tremendous statement. Here's Habakkuk. He's in the midst of turmoil. He's in the midst of denial. He's in the midst of betrayal. He's in the midst of national failure. And yet he says, I don't care. There may not be any fruit coming off of that. There may not be the answer that I want. I may look in the stall. There's no poop in the stall either. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to believe God. Can you say amen? God is at work. Now, let me conclude by where I want to go. I fully believe that God has raised up this fellowship, and we have not seen yet the purpose that God has aimed at. It's a phenomenal thing what God has done. This is not, you know, people totally uh, misinterpret. Oh, Pastor Mitchell had this vision. He had this blueprint. I have any such thing. When I came to Prescott, I could hardly hit my butt with both hands. (laughs) What has happened here is simply God at work, and I do not believe and have long preached that 
it wasn't just what we're seeing right now. Wonderful to see these precious workers we're launching. Can you say amen? Wonderful to see these others that are involved. That's a wonderful thing. But that's not the finish of it. I have long believed that there are unique qualities and dimensions about our fellowship, about our mentality of preparing workers that has positioned us around the world in key strategic locations for what God is yet to do in the fulfilling of His purpose in the earth today. I believe that. Let's give Him praise. Or in other words, it is my profound conviction that there is much, 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 much more ahead. And whether you've joined us uh, uh, from some other group or you're born into or you've been grafted in, I believe fully that God has a purpose. And the Bible says he that has begun a good work in us will conclude it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he's going to do that. Hallelujah. In 1990, we had 85 precious churches ripped off, went off into the ozone. As I said, only three of those are remaining. We since then have had various uh, rebellions and risings up and so on and so forth. But in, uh, in 1990, they left us uh, 595 churches approximately. And here we are now, uh, 20 years later, uh, uh, touching on 1,700 churches around the world. That has to be God. This brain is not big enough to organize all that. Your brain is not big enough to organize that. God is powerfully at work, and he's working his purpose. And sometimes we stumble, we get diverted, we misunderstand, we may not comprehend. But I want to tell you that God, I believe God, God is powerfully at work. And if we will stay attached to the one who began it, and he'll complete it uh, until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is giving these pastors uh, a balance so they can process uh, and be able to comprehend. I commend you to God uh, and the word of his grace, uh, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance uh, among uh, them that are sanctified. Bow your heads right here for a moment. In this building tonight, uh, there are people. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp. 
where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.